Today we celebrate the feast of the dedication of St. John Lateran in Rome. And so anytime these feast days kind of pop up for me, um, I feel really thankful. I, I, I feel very thankful for the people of our archdiocese, for my parents, um, for supporting my vocation, and that I got to study in Rome, and that I got to go to some of these basilicas on sort of a semi-regular basis. It, it is a very weird thing that just to go, one thing that a lot of people don't, don't know about the North American College is that um, we, the Pontifical North American College is on the Janiculum Hill, which is about a seven minute walk through the little bus terminal there that's right by St. Peter's. So it's just up the hill right there. But we go to our classes actually out in the city. And so it took me about, you know, a 35 minute walk um, each direction to get to class every day. And so I was at the Dominican University, the Angelicum, St. Thomas Aquinas University. And then the Gregorian is the other popular one. So our seminarian, Justin Echeverria from the summer, is at the Gregorian. And many, many, many famous people studied at the Gregorian throughout the, throughout the years. That's the Jesuit University. And so you walk through all of this history every day. And of course, when you do that for five years, you, know, you get pretty accustomed to it. So it's a very strange thing to walk by the Roman Forum every single day and you know, to walk by these things. But, but you still, there's something about these basilicas that when you go in, even if you've gone in a lot, you're still in awe of the place. And St. John Lateran, to me, is I think actually one of my, is my favorite one. And, and, and I, don't, I don't exactly know why. There's something about it, though. But there's a couple unique hallmarks about it. There are these giant, heroic statues of the apostles there, these sculptures that, and they were all done by different sculptors. Some of them, a couple sculptors did two or three of them, but most of them were done by, by one individual. But, they, but they're just huge, and they show so much action in them, and they're also holding the implements of their own martyrdom. And so they're very, very dramatic. And when you walk in, you're just like, you know, they're, they're just, just so powerful. And the thing, the biggest thing that you probably hear people say every time this feast comes up every year that, is that St. John Lateran is actually where that's the Cathedral of Rome for Pope Francis. That's the actual Pope's Cathedral, not St. Peter's. And that's one of those things that people are like, what? You know, you just blew my mind. But that's actually where the, the cathedra, the cathedral, the chair is of the Pope. That's considered his home, his home church, and it was for many years. And so but he resides at the Vatican, but there's been many years where the popes have actually resided at St. John Lateran, but that's actually the diocesan cathedral of Rome. Because remember, the pope is, is technically the bishop of Rome. Even though he's the bishop of the universal church, he's the bishop of Rome, and in in St. John Lateran is actually his cathedral as the bishop of Rome. And so it's, it's an amazing, amazing basilica, the ceiling. Even if you just look up at the ceiling, you could stare at it forever. It's just such a grand scale. It's just an unbelievable place. Also, some of the relics that are held there. Um, under the main high altar that only the Pope can celebrate Mass on, under there are the relics of what are the communion table of St. Peter, the altar that he would have celebrated the first Masses on. Those are underneath that altar of St. John Lateran. 
up in the Baldacchino, the big kind of raised thing right above there, are the heads of Saints Peter and Paul. So those of you who know who have ever gotten on the Scavi tour at uh, St. Peter's, the Scavi tour is the catacombs under St. Peter's. And it ends with seeing the bones of St. Peter. But the skeleton is actually not there. Um, all the other bones are actually there, but the skeleton is not. But the tradition has always held that it's in uh, St. John Lateran. But they're still not even 100% sure about that because they think it might have moved because some of these things are not opened for generations and generations and generations until all of a sudden you're like, oh, they, you know, there they are. <laughs> you know, so they're right there. And then the other important, important relic that's there as well is when, when you're walking in there. And these things are not labeled well. I'm always absolutely floored and shocked when you find out the amazing relics that are in these churches that are completely unlabeled. You know, so up off to the left, you'll see a Last Supper scene, but it's way high up there. But it's very hard to see because it's kind of far away. And there's like a plexiglass or like a crystal reliquary, and there's a piece of wood in there. Apparently, that is the piece of wood that the, um, from, the, um, from the Last Supper, the tabletop from the Last Supper. Is that labeled? No. <laughs> you just have to know that it's there. So it's amazing that you could walk around these basilicas and see these amazing, amazing things, and, um, and they're not very well labeled. That's very Italian, though, from what I learned from living there for five years. And, uh, but it's an amazing, amazing basilica with so, so much symbolism there. And you'll notice today in our reading that that righteous anger that Jesus shows about the money changers in there, again, like many things, there's a great transition that's taking place in history. You know, he says, you know, do not make my father's house a marketplace. Notice that this unbelievably opulent temple that took 46 years to build, Jesus doesn't say like, ah, we should get rid of this place. You know, yeah, no, it's his father's house. Our church, St. John Lateran, these are pieces of real estate of heaven on earth. You know, he doesn't say that we need to get rid of them and they're, and they're too fancy or anything. He doesn't do that with his own temple back then. But what he's, what he's trying to do is remember, it's the period where he is going to become the sacrifice. And no longer will you sacrifice these, these animals, these offerings that they, were be, be, that they were doing. So not only is it about the, um, the religious leaders of the day basically making money off of these things, it's also a transition in history to the sacrifice will become himself and no longer these sacrifices of doves and oxen or things like that anymore. And even that first reading from Ezekiel, we can see flowing from the temple, flowing from that temple are, are essentially life, the sacraments. You know, water flows from the temple, and it basically fertilizes all of the land and makes it abundant. Just like from this church flow the sacraments of life. Uh, of Jesus himself, of his ministry continued on this earth. And it's so important for us to remember that when we come inside of these holy buildings, that they really are, like I said, it's like heavenly real estate reserved for God on earth. And, and just 
Saint, uh, but St. John Lateran, again, to go back to there, there's so much history about that. And we also go back to um, what they say in the Corinthians about ourselves. So in the first Corinthians, there's a number of allusions to we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Kind of like I mentioned, we're like living tabernacles that go around the world. So it's just like, just like the tabernacle holds Jesus Christ himself, we receive Jesus. And just like that reading in Ezekiel, then we flow out to the rest of the world and we are Christ for others. That's the point. That's who we have to be. That's why it's so frustrating when Christians don't act like Christians. Because when they don't, um, there's a discord there for people. They're like people, they're not practicing what they preach. They're not being who they receive. And so that's why it's so important for us to live virtuous lives, to follow the teachings of Jesus in the gospel so that we can be who we receive. And that when people see that, they actually see the light of Christ and they don't see a hypocrite. That's what we're trying to avoid in our life, um, to, to not to be hypocritical Christians. Um, one, another amazing thing that happened about St. John Lateran. So St. John Lateran, Lateran was the family that donated the land they gave there. So there's no St. John Lateran. The St. John is actually honoring St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist. So both St. John's. And so Lateran was the family who gave all of that, that land for the family. And it's been burned down, I think, twice. And there was an earthquake that almost, that all but destroyed it one time. And they keep rebuilding it because it's just that important for us to have these places of worship that are important to the Catholic faith. And there's one illusion there, the famous Pope, Pope Innocent III. So Innocent III had a vision that the church was crumbling down and there was a beggar in tattered clothing shoring the church up with his own body. And who, was, and who ended up appearing to him just a few days later? St. Francis and his Franciscan brothers in their tattered clothing telling them about this new order that they wanted to, to form that became the Franciscans. And so St. Innocent was in there and he sees it being shored up by somebody like St. Francis, somebody who was told, you know, restore my church, build my church. And remember, a lot of us might hear God in different ways through the church in our personal prayer, but many and many saints were confused on the first go-around. We know that St. Francis literally tried to rebuild churches at first. That, that's what he was, thought he was called to do. And then when he focused down on things and he understood what God was calling him to do, he'd realized he meant to build up his church from within, the body of believers to the church, to preach the, preach the faith. That was the change. And this happens a lot. Sometimes you get a message from God and it may not be clear at first. And so it takes time and discernment to really understand the messages that we receive from God at times. But so we, we celebrate this amazing, amazing building, this church consecrated to the Lord. And I just did a little uh, tour of the church with uh, Janelle, our RCIA um, 
instructor and so to show them and one of the things that i even mentioned in the church and she said i didn't know that so yeah i peeled back our altar cloth here and right here in the center is you'll notice that there's a square and it has mortar around it well a relic of saint cecilia ancient roman martyr our patroness is inside of this altar that relic is sealed inside of the altar and all consecrated altars have relics usually of martyrs and why because we offer a sacrifice on there just as they sacrificed themselves for the faith and so we remember that these are holy places consecrated to god and that they're amazing signs of our faith and for those of you who have visited um, saint john lateran right across the street is also the holy steps the steps that saint helen Constantine's mother, the one who legalized Christianity in Rome, brought back a marble staircase from the Praetorian in the Holy Land. And it's now there in Rome, the very steps that Jesus walked up to to see Pontius Pilate and to be incriminated. It's an amazing, amazing parts of our history. And the baptistry attached to St. John Lateran is where Constantine was baptized. It goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> so, but it's amazing part of our rich history of passing on the traditions of the Catholic Church so that we can become these living tabernacles and go out to the world. The building is only as important as the body of believers, the living stones. All of you are the living stones of the faith. So when we go out into the world, we have to be those living stones, those moving tabernacles that show the light of Christ. God bless you all.